Welcome to the Health is Wealth podcast. I'm Nicole Nelson, founder of Living Well with Nick, health coach and entrepreneur. Each week, I'll bring you the tools, strategies, and motivational stories that will move you to take inspired action. It's time to break through fear and elevate your life. So get ready to feel inspired. After all, your health is your greatest wealth. You're listening to the Health is Wealth podcast, episode number 12. Today's episode is an incredible conversation with health and fitness expert, Chris Freitag. Chris is the founder of Get Healthy You, which is an online platform where she shares her knack for motivating and guiding others to make the right little choices day after day in a way that adds up to big, incredible success. In this episode, we chat about starting an online fitness business, what a well-rounded fitness routine looks like, and answer all your burning questions about nutrition. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Why don't we start with how you initially got into the fitness industry? Was it, was it when you were in college? Was it after college? What did that, what did that initial um, jump into the fitness space look like? Okay. So I got into the fitness industry in the late eighties. So I was in college in the early eighties. And in 1983, I told a college counselor that I loved exercise and she's like, well, okay, but that's not a career. Hmm. So, um, there really wasn't a career path for fitness back in the early eighties. So I became a journalism major because I love to talk (laughs) shocker. I know, (laughs) um, I loved TV and broadcast and I love to write. And so I graduated college with a journalism major um, and I went into advertising and um, then print um, shortly after that. And, um, you know, I really liked what I was doing, but on the side, I got involved in fitness because, so let me back up a little bit. When I was in college, dance aerobics started. That was a big thing in the 80s. And Mm -hmm. at our um, facility at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, there was a a facility that we called the SURF. Um, It was a recreation facility. And we could go to aerobics. And I got hooked on it. I was like, oh, this is so fun. And then when I um, moved into, when I moved to Minneapolis and started working in the advertising and printing world, I started going to dance aerobic classes, as we called it back then, at night. Well, soon after about, you know, six months, I was like, why don't I teach these classes? Because I love them so much. I was like one of those front row people, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) So I got certified as a group fitness instructor and um, then started teaching at night while I was working full time. And I did that for a while until I got married young. um, I got pregnant. I had a kid. I was working full time. I was trying to teach classes at night and that just was too hard on my schedule. And so I decided, and, and at the time, and this is kind of dating myself too. Um, it was the very first machines showed up in gyms, Nautilus machines. Oh, wow. It was the very first time because before that it was just um, free weights, huh. and dumbbells and women weren't really into weightlifting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when these machines showed up in um, gyms, women started lifting weights. And I was like, wow, this is really, it interested me. And so it was the first time that I thought I could become a personal trainer also. Uh-huh. So then I went and got my personal training certification and I made that leap from having a, you know, a day job to making personal training and group fitness my full-time career. So for about a decade or two, well, like 10, 15 years, all I did was train people and teach classes. 
And I trained in my own home, which was kind of interesting because I was working at a gym, teaching group fitness, which was great. But people would ask me all the time, like, hey, do you personal train? And I said, yeah, I do. I kind of created this niche where I was training a lot of moms and they would all come to my house because they could bring their kids. I had little kids. So it was like, okay, I have toys. Your kids don't have to go through separation anxiety. They can see their mom working out right there. And I started training, um, you know, even groups of women, which was kind of new back then to do group, group personal training. Cause most people did one-on-one. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even funny when I was personal training, we used to use carbon copy paper. Do you remember what that oh, is? <laughs> I do. It's like the yellow and pink paper, right? Yes. Yeah. So I would write their workouts on a carbon oh copy gosh. and then rip it off and hand it to them. I mean, that was the world we lived in. There were no cell phones, no computers, no nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, there were VHS tapes. So that being said, I um, kept living in that world. And pretty soon people were saying to me, gosh, Chris, I wish I could take your workouts home with me. I wish I had your motivation at home. I've always been a people person and I've always been like really a believer in positive motivation. And so I was like, wow, okay, people want to take my workouts home with them. How could I do this? Uh In the meantime, um, and I won't go into it, but I started kind of reaching my tentacles back out into the journalism world. I got some opportunities in TV and video was just starting to become a medium that people were using to explain their businesses or how to do things. Um, And so I was dabbling in video. So I decided to make a VHS tape of a workout. Like I was going to make my own VHS tape. So I made this VHS tape and I funded it myself. And I had two friends as my backups. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I know. And I went to a catalog. Um, The largest supplier of fitness VHS tapes at the time was located here in Minneapolis. If you can even believe it. Wow. Like why in Minnesota? Right. Um, And I went there and the woman who owned it, Jill Ross, who still is involved in to this day, I, I just, I appreciate that woman. She is alive and well here in Minneapolis. And she's amazing. Shout out to Jill Ross. I went to her and said, Hey, I'm just this local gal that made my own VHS tape. Will you stick it in your catalog? And she's like, yeah, I will. Because I like to support local people. And by having my VHS tape in her catalog, I then was getting contacted by larger companies to do work for them. And that's Mm -hmm. how I started working for Rodale Publishing and Prevention Magazine and um, Anchor Bay Publishing. And I started making tons and tons of workout videos. And that kind of forayed my career into a different path, if you will. Mm-hmm. I then worked for Exercise TV and did all of their work, which was a cable channel. Um, and that's how I you know, garnered a lot of my fans because you could find me on any cable channel um, you know, through Exercise TV. And then I mm-hmm. worked for Prevention Magazine for about 15 years. So um, and then I, you know, did home shopping and I worked in the news. Like I am like one of those <laughs> crazy entrepreneurs that like, I love it though. I just have my tentacles and a lot of things and still kind of do, but that's what propelled me. And then we went from VHS to um, DVD. And then we went from DVD to about four and a half years ago to streaming. And so, so now my is, whole program is that when is Get Healthy You actually started or how, how, how long have you been running Get Healthy You? So I started out as a blogger, as many okay. people do, and it was chrisfrytag.com. And I just mm-hmm. wrote because I like to write. I'm a writer, you know? And then um, I started realizing, oh gosh, um, I can't do all this by myself. And so I, you know, uh, as we all kind of get to know different people, I may have had different relationships and met people who were also writers and could start writing blogs on my blog. And then I just felt like I didn't want it to be all about me. Like it was my name and this is just my personality. And I was like, well, other people are writing, like it shouldn't all be about me because 
I want to give everybody credit. So I'm like, I need to have a company name. And I, you know, guide a lot of entrepreneurs that say to me, should my blog be my name? Should my blog be mm-hmm. a, a, a different name? And I always tell them, you know, you have to really take a long look at, at like some long-term goals. I, I could have left it chrisfrytick.com quite mm-hmm. honestly, but we decided to name it gethealthyu.com. The U, the letter U kind of standing for university because mm-hmm. in my heart, I've always been an educator. Um, I've always, and also the you meaning you, the person and you, the community. But I always felt like I love to educate. I'm a big believer in like help people do it the right way, help them get better, help them feel comfortable, help them understand. And when people know better, they do better. Mm -hmm. So hence Get Healthy You was born as a blog. And then when we decided to stream, um, Get Healthy You TV is the streaming um, portal for all of the workouts. I love that. So right now, how big is the team of people that work at Get Healthy You? So Get Healthy You, so is my, like, I look, so Get Healthy You is a free website. Get Healthy You TV is a paid website. There's two got websites. It. Got it. So I now have a team of two full-time and two part-time that work at Get Healthy You um, and, and just managing the free blog. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Get Healthy You TV, I am partnered with a marketing company. And we have a team of about six or seven um, from the marketing partner that I have. Okay. Um, and so we all work together on Get Healthy You TV, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So if you were someone in their, let's say their 20s, right? They've graduated from college, now in this digital space, someone who is interested in starting some type of online health or fitness business, what would a piece of advice be for them? So for entrepreneurs out there, first of all, you know, when I got started, there was no computer, cell phone, no social media. So it was all based on people who had come in contact with me through mostly exercise TV, um, home shopping or buying my DVDs. Today, you know, we have this whole world of social media Mm -hmm. and we have all this whole world of, um, you know, digital uh, tools that, that work for people. So when people are getting started, I think what they have to do for, and I mentored some entrepreneurs where, you know, you have to ask yourself a lot of questions about what's your short-term goals. What are your long-term goals? What do you want to be? Like, do you want to be an online presence? I think a lot of people, let me say this, like a lot of people say to me, Oh, Chris, I bet all you do is work out all day and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. (laughs) all I do is sit on a computer all day because my business is digital. So I think in the health space, I remind people like you're going to, if you're, creating a digital business, you are going to be sitting with a computer on your lap. Like Mm -hmm. be aware of that, right? Because you're not going to be working out all day. You're going to be creating whatever digital tools you have. Um, But I think then you have to kind of pick how you're going to expand your business and not let yourself get overwhelmed. I feel like today's world is overwhelming. Like, oh my gosh, I have to start an email list and I have to be on Instagram and I have to be on Pinterest. I have to be on Facebook. And oh my gosh, I'm supposed to use YouTube and monetize. And what about LinkedIn? And what about um, oh my gosh, I'm supposed to be doing live video and I'm supposed to be, uh, you know, and it's like, are you kidding me? Right. Like I always tell people like, go where your people would be. Yes. So if you are in your twenties and you're starting a business, where would your people be? Mm-hmm. If you like, people ask me all the time, like, why aren't you on TikTok? You should be on TikTok. I'm like, okay, I get <laughs> that. Like some people my age are on TikTok, but the reality is nobody in their fifties is going to become a permanent TikTok or Snapchatter. You know right. what I mean? So that's not, <laughs> where my people are. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So I was, that's a good point to touch on is people have that shiny object syndrome. Like they, they try to emulate someone's business model, which is okay to an extent, but you don't have the same audience as someone else does. And your niche is completely different than someone else's. And even though the fitness industry is so large, I think one thing that can really help fitness entrepreneurs and you can chime in is niching down. Like you really cater to moms, right? That's pretty much your niche. Well, you can't be everything to everybody, yep. like you just said. So like I will get emails sometimes from guys who say, mm. oh my gosh, all you do is focus on women. Like they're mad at us. And I'm like, um, because that's our niche. Right. Like if you are a gentleman, I can, you know, a guy, I can recommend who I would suggest you might follow mm-hmm. for your workouts. But we niched it down to moms, um, like ages 35 to 65. You know, mm-hmm. and so that covers moms and dare I say, grandmas. I mean, because yeah. you know, a lot of my friends in their fifties and sixties are becoming grandmas, or mm-hmm. at that age where kids at least empty nesters. So we kind of cater to that, and in in particular, the female. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, to niche it down. The other thing I would say, also Nicole, is um, don't get so. I used the word overwhelmed before. It's just easy to get caught up, or I don't know, jealous is the right word, or worried about what other people are doing and mm-hmm. you don't have to be anybody else. Like be your own person and use your gifts because the people who appreciate your gifts are going to come to you. I know that not everybody loves me mm-hmm. or likes me or likes my style. I mean, you know, pick who, pick what resonates for you. Exactly. Um, I think that's really important. One of the reasons we have five different trainers at Get Healthy UTV is because I'm like, okay, I appreciate that people have been enjoying my workouts for a long time. I love that. But I know a lot of great trainers who have great gifts. I'm not the only trainer that can do a good job. There are really great trainers out there. And people love that that variety of personality and their funny quirks or the way mm-hmm. they do things. And I think, you know, it, it, be you. Don't, you said it best, don't emulate someone else's business model. Be you. Yep. Well, and I can attest to this because I've been coming to your fitness classes at Lifetime forever, like since high school. And fitness is a very personal thing for people. So I know for myself, I only go to certain people's classes. I've been a coach myself before. So I know um, like the type of personalities that I mesh with and that I'm drawn to. And it goes back to don't try to, um, you know, tone down your personality just because that's what you might think a wider audience might like. Focus on just being you and putting yourself out there and you are going to attract those people who actually want to be in your presence. Because when you're a coach, when you're the face of your business, that is what people are actually buying. I always tell people, you can look up anything you want on Google pretty much. Like there aren't a lot of people out there who are reinventing the wheel. What they're doing is they're throwing their personality into the mix. And that is what people are attracted to. I I agree. And I always say, I do a lot of corporate speaking and um, I always say, you know, in the beginning, like, Hey, you guys, I am not here to teach you any rocket science. You know, I'm not a doctor. I don't have any new study that just came out that teaches you an unbelievable way to get in shape. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, you know, everybody kind of knows the answer about what they're supposed to be doing. The problem is they're not doing it. So what, what motivates you? Who motivates you? How are you motivated? 
gravitate towards that thing, person, business that's going to help you get there. Mm-hmm. I've always been a believer in positive reinforcement. I never did well with negative reinforcement. And I've always believed that when you come at people with a positive attitude or a positive, even positive um, feedback that could be a little constructive, but still positive, they do better than, you know, the, the type of person that says, well, you suck or that stinks or why Absolutely. don't you do better? Or, that doesn't work for me. That's, that's me. Other people thrive on that. So, mm-hmm. you know, you got to figure out what works for you. So let's touch on the motivation because I know that people will throw around motivation, discipline, all of that. What do you think is your secret to being motivated or disciplined on a regular basis, especially being in the fitness space, right? You're expected to show up. You're expected to set a good example, but you also love fitness, right? It's one of your passions. Mm -hmm. So what has kept you going for all these years to show up every single day and move your body? Well, I got really lucky at a young age. I discovered the mental side of physical Mm -hmm. movement. I didn't even know what it was. I was in high school and I became a runner. And I just knew that when I ran, I had this really weird, like high, like, you know, and I came to find out that it was endorphins and I was Uh releasing endorphins in my bloodstream and feeling really good. So I connected very quickly to the mental side of fitness and realizing how good I felt. And then of course the healthy side of fitness, as I saw women aging and seeing that, you know, there is a huge difference and all of you listening out there, there is such a difference between age 40 and age 50. <laughs> I have and heard that your, from my mother. <laughs> right? Yep. And in your 40s, you're like, God, I got this. I'm in such good shape, blah, blah, blah. Even age 48, I'm like, hey, I'm killing it. Age 49, and all of a sudden 50 comes, and you're like, uh, what? <laughs> like, what just happened? And who am I? And what is happening to my body? And, you know, like this whole... T- so when I was young too, I started thinking, I've got to prepare. I've got to be ready for when I do hit that middle age. And by Mm -hmm. the way, you know, 50 is a number, right? If I live for another 40 years, that's like going back to when I was age 14. Like that's a freaking lot of living I still have left. So I'm not saying I'm old. All I'm saying is bodies change. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to stay strong and be prepared for that. Now, going back to the question about motivation, you know, you've always heard that saying, motivation gets you started, habit keeps you going, right? So discipline is a big thing. Um, And I'm a believer in discipline. If you know me, like I'm a total lover of fun. Like I'm the first one out there having fun, but I have this discipline about my workouts or the way I eat or whatever, you know, to a point like, Mm -hmm. you know, we'll get into that, but I, I, I give myself grace, but you have to establish that routine. And there are so many moms who come to me and say, I can't work out. I can't work out. I don't have time. My life is so crazy. And then when I dig into their life, I'm like, um, you know, listen, I'm going to have some empathy for you because everyone's life is hard, but I'm not going to feel sorry for you because you Mm -hmm. are the queen of excuses. You know, and then they're like, Mm -hmm. oh, oh, I don't like that you said that, but I'm like, hey, you know. (laughs) Someone has to call you out. Yeah. You got to figure this out because there are a lot of women out there who have full-time jobs and and a, a pile of kids and a pile of laundry and this and that. Like, it's not easy. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying it's easy, but I'm saying you're going to have to figure a way to fit your self-care in there. So to me, I use this example all the time with the early morning classes. I say to them all the time, the people who show up at you know five in the morning, I say, hey, motivation got you out of bed today, you know, because nobody loves to get out of bed, mm-hmm. but you are probably motivated by what you already know, how you feel. You got that alarm clock set, you know, and there's then a little habit woven in there. 
because I get up and I'm thinking, holy crap, why am I getting up? You know, blah, blah, blah. But once you get exercising, inspiration takes over. So I would say, you know, use your motivation to get there. And then hopefully once you realize that you have that inspiration, like I love how I feel and I'm inspired for my day and I'm inspired to do well in the world today. And I, you know, that's so awesome. But I'm, so I always say that to my classes, like motivation gets you here and hopefully inspiration hits you during the workout, you know? And that's the beauty, I think, of group fitness in general, like feeding yeah. off of other people's energy and knowing that the person next to you is probably struggling and feeling the exact same thing you are. Um, right. That's what I've loved. I love to kind of mix it up between solo workouts when I just want to my own time. But then when I need a little more energy, I love turning to group fitness classes. Um, so if we could talk about, I guess, working out as a whole. So what is your philosophy when it comes to training? Do you believe in, um, you know, having certain days where you're doing upper body, lower body, full body, cardio, what's kind of your take and philosophy? Okay. So the uh, answer that people don't like to hear is there is no one rule and there is no one right way. And when people are critical of the way you're doing it, it's like, uh-uh, you know, mm -hmm. there's no one, you know, the reason they're critical is probably they're jealous <laughs> of what you're yeah, doing. <laughs> yeah. Right. But you know, some people thrive on, you know, having a very exact routine and they love doing the same thing over and over. Other people need variety. Mm -hmm. So here's what I would say. If you look at the CDC, they set these guidelines. They say 150 minutes of heart pumping exercise a week. Okay, 150 minutes, which is two and a half hours of heart pumping exercise a week, and that's moderate activity. And if you do high intensity activity, they say at least 75 minutes. Okay. So if you're working out hard, you need to do about an hour and a half to two and a half hours of heart pumping activity throughout the week. And heart pumping activity is activity that gets you breathing through your mouth. So you're no longer breathing through your nose. Mm -hmm. You know, if you can calmly breathe through your nose as you're leisurely walking the dog in your flip-flops, that's not cardio. <laughs> you know? Okay. Yep. So, you know, that's why I always joke, you know, my girlfriends and I, we fitness walk all the time, but my husband will come with me and I'm like, pick up your pace, pick up your pace. He's like, Oh <laughs> my God, you drive me crazy. But, um, so, you know, breathing through your mouth, get that heart pumping. And even if you are not overweight, even if you, you know, Everybody has a heart. Heart disease mm -hmm. is the number one killer of women and men in America. Like you have to get your heart pumping to stay healthy. So just do it. Not to mention the endorphins and the mental side of it and all the good things that come with cardio. Mm -hmm. Then the CDC says two strength training um, sessions a week. However you want to divide it. They give you no rules. They say use all your muscles twice a week. Mm -hmm. Whether that's a body weight workout, whether that's dumbbells or kettlebells, whether it is divided into upper, lower core, whether you do always total body workouts, it is entirely up to you. So it also depends on your goals. Like if you're training for a fitness competition, I'm not going to tell you to do all these crazy, you know, um, uh, circuit workouts or whatever. I'm going to say like, you need a hard arm day and you need a hard mm -hmm. leg day and you need a hard this or that because you're training for something. Just like someone who's training for a marathon, I'm not going to say power walk for a mile. I mean, duh, right, you have right. to do something more. So I think people have to figure it out. Now, me personally, I love variety. So I tend to, and I love combining. One of the best things for women is the combination of cardio and strength together. Um, so when people say I don't have time, I'm like, all right, then circuits and, and intervals might be good for you because you can combine strength and cardio into the same thing. If you're mm -hmm. lifting weights with a tempo and you are breathing through your mouth, it doubles as cardio. So you can count that as cardio and 
strength at the same time, AKA multitasking, which we all love. Um, So you have to kind of decide. I do sometimes divide my body up and say, I'm going to do an upper body day and a lower body day. Sometimes I do that, but I personally tend to go more with, um, I do a, uh, a total body workout, right? Mm -hmm. Where I just love the idea of using all my muscle groups, working them to fatigue, feeling good. And, you know, that works for me, but I'm Mm -hmm. just training for life. I'm not training for any specific competition. Does that make sense? Totally. And And then of course you are supposed to throw in, I'm sorry to interrupt, but you are supposed to throw in some flexibility training in there somewhere, or at least, you know, some recovery work too. So, okay, let's touch on that because I think that is missed. I know I don't do a good enough job at stretching and recovering as much as I should. As far as the stretching piece goes, do you recommend stretching before and after? How many minutes should you do that for? What does that look like? Okay, so the warm up should be all about mobility, the cool down should be about flexibility. Okay. So, what I remind people is when they're warming up, your whole goal is to get the heart, you know, and the whole system working. So you start to get that heart rate up a little bit and mobility in the joints. So big ranges of motions, arm circles, hip circles, some lunges, some squats, you know, different things to get range of motion and fluid moving in the joints. Mm -hmm. That's the warm up. So holding a stretch when you're cold for 30, 40 seconds really doesn't do you a whole lot. You know, so think mobility for the warm up, And then for the cool down, that's when you're warm. You've just exercised mm-hmm. your heart. Your, your muscles are warm. Your joints have just been used. So that's a really good time to work on flexibility and stretch and hold. And they recommend holding about 20 to 40 seconds per stretch to make it worthwhile. Okay. So if you had, this is kind of uh, fitting for what we're going through right now with the coronavirus, but if you were at yeah. home right now, um, and let's say you wanted to write your own 10 minute full body workout can you rattle off just a few exercises that are really easy to do without any type of weight, no equipment, that's just your body? Absolutely. Squats and lunges, squats and lunges, squats and lunges, squats and lunges. They work the entire lower body. There are so many variations. You can do a wide leg squat, a narrow squat. You can do a jump squat. You can do a walking lunge, a stationary lunge, a front lunge, a reverse lunge, a side lunge. I mean, you can vary it so much. Mm-hmm. Um, people are always looking for that rule of thumb. So you might say about 15 to rep, uh, 20 repetitions, three sets through of each exercise. Just And again, pay attention to how you feel. Are you getting your heart rate up? Are you feeling any fatigue? I tell people with strength training, muscle fatigue is the goal. So if you are doing something and it's so easy, you could be talking to your girlfriend about what's happening today, then you're not working to muscle fatigue. You should be at that point where you're thinking, holy cow, I really could barely do two more squats kind of a thing. Uh Um, Glute bridges, um, these are all body weight things that that you could do. Wall sits. um, So I'm just thinking lower body. Now you could do um, core work, obviously anything on the floor, planking. There's so many side planks, regular plank, you know, um, you could do planks are amazing plank. because you know you're adding upper body or using lower body everything right you can do a plank to a um open to a t you can add a push-up mm-hmm. into there push-ups are amazing for push-ups are such a sign of strength and um you know i use so my sister um who i'm with right now um while we are down here out of town for a month um she's like i can't even do one push-up and i'm like okay you're younger than me we're gonna work on this because push-ups are a sign of strength. Mm -hmm. They keep the entire chest, shoulders, tricep, bicep um, strong as well as you use your core. 
Um, so I would suggest some push-ups. I would suggest some planking. I would suggest um, maybe some down dog stretches. I would suggest, I mean, there's so many things that you can do with your body. I said the glute bridges, um, ab exercises, burpees. Burpees are such a good overall. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to go fast. You can go slow. You go to your plank, you jump in, you, you step up. Um, I would suggest, you know, resistance that you, you could do against a wall, whether sure. it is a push-up, um, you know, a wall sit, whatever it might be. I yeah. think push-ups can be very intimidating to people. <laughs> but one thing right. I have found over the years is I will randomly sprinkle them in during my day. If I'm feeling like I need a little movement, I'll just get down on the floor and quick do 10 to 20 push-ups. And by the end of the night, I'm up to 100. Good and for I, you. And I think that that's how that's a really non-intimidating way to approach it rather than thinking, oh, I have to fit in 50 to 100 push-ups in this one workout, in this 45-minute right. workout. That's a lot. Right. But if you just kind of space it out or when you're brushing your teeth, go do 10 or 20 squats, like whatever it is, just trying to fit in some type of movement when you can. One of the things I always say about at-home workouts is the lack of intimidation. I mean, nobody's mm. there to judge you. It's mm -hmm. a, a judgment-free zone. So if you're working out with me and I'm doing a squat that's a lot lower than yours, who cares? I've been doing squats for, you know, how many decades? Mm -hmm. If you're new to exercise and you're like, whoa, I can't go quite that low, then my, you know, our, our motto at Get Healthy UTV is there's no shame in the modify game, right? I love so that, yep. So you have to do your push-up into your chair or against the wall, no problem. But you know, if you were to come up with an at-home workout, I would say pick like five bodyweight exercises, whether it's squat, slunge, a glute bridge, sit up, push up, plank, and then just, you know, quickly come up with a circuit of like three sets of 15 each mm -hmm. and do them, just do them, you know? And I think you'd be surprised too, as when you start adding those compound moves that are in there, like a burpee, where you're getting some upper body, you're getting lower body, you're getting your heart rate up, you're really going to break a sweat. And you don't yeah. need, I, in my opinion, I don't think you need more than 10 minutes to break that sweat. Now, right. I would probably say you should be working out for more than 10 minutes a day for overall longevity. But if that's all you can fit in, it's so much better than nothing. Absolutely. And we film a lot of 10-minute workouts because those are the free workouts that we give to our, you know, the community of people who are not our members. And we always joke that when we film a 10-minute workout, we're like, holy cow. <laughs> Man, that was a lot of work. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, 10 minutes is no joke. Yeah. I mean, again, it goes back to what I said earlier about excuses. Like, you know, sometimes I have to tell people, hey, listen, I have empathy for your world, you know, mm -hmm. and what's going on, but I don't have, I don't feel sorry for you. Like you've got to yep. find the time and you can find 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. It's surprising how quickly 10 minutes will go by and you'll be like, hey, I just use my muscles. I burn, you know, 80 calories. Like this feels good. Absolutely. Or even I'll sometimes, um, do some planks or push-ups or squats during a commercial break when I'm watching TV at night just to, you know, keep moving. And you'd be surprised how much that adds up at the end of the day. So what is your thought on taking a rest day? I'm a big believer in taking a rest day. Um, people need it. Mm -hmm. um, there is such a thing as overtraining. And when you overtrain, at least myself, I notice that when I overtrain, I can't get my heart rate up as high anymore. Like I'll just notice that I kind of hover lower because my body is so tired and that's when I know that I need a rest. Um, but your muscles need time to recover. Your ligaments and tendons need time to recover. Um, there's nothing wrong with a day of rest. Now we call it at Get Healthy UTV, we call it active day of rest. We call it ADOR because it doesn't mean sit on your butt for mm -hmm. you know 12 hours a day. 
It means just, you know, be active, take a walk. To me, dog walking is my active day of rest, but um, you don't have to overuse your muscles. And so something for people to think about, delayed onset muscle soreness, DOMS as it's hmm. called, usually happens a day or two after a hard workout. So you have to be your own best advocate of what you should do. So if your muscles are so sore where you're like, I can barely sit down on the toilet, then that's, you know, your cue to say, all right, it's time for a rest day. Mm -hmm. But if you use your muscles every single day and you're never at that point where you're like, Hey, I'm so overly sore. I can't stand it. Cause people always ask me, is it okay to lift weights two days in a row? Absolutely. It's okay to do that. You have to see, but Mm -hmm. Either way, I still am a big advocate of at least one rest day a week. And I, I personally take typically two days of non-lifting, non, mm -hmm. you know, non-high intensity. That's what I usually do too. I usually take um, Saturday or Sundays off, sometimes Saturdays, depending on what I'm doing if we're up at the cabin. But I'm still a believer in at least going for a walk right? Get yep. the blood moving. Um, I think it even helps release some of the lactic acid too. Um, but I, I have noticed the same thing. If I were to train seven days in a row and not take a break, which is very rare that that happens, but let's say I'm going to an event or whatever it is, I feel so exhausted going into that following week. It's just not worth it because then I feel like the rest of your, your week, your muscles are just so sore and you're so tired. You're not getting the most out of your workouts anyway. So right. it's better just to take that rest day, let your body recover, and then come into that following week feeling 100%. I absolutely agree. Let's switch gears and talk about nutrition for a little bit because along with you know, moving your body, keeping yourself mobile and fit. Nutrition is a huge piece of health overall. If you had to summarize your beliefs around nutrition, um, following a certain diet, the 80-20 rule, where do you kind of fall in that? I call myself a flexitarian, meaning I am very flexible. I definitely follow the 80-20 rule, meaning 80% of the time I make really great choices and 20% of the time I give myself that wiggle room and I do not feel guilty. I don't follow any set program. I'm not a keto or a Whole30 or a paleo. I don't like giving up food groups. It doesn't work for me or my personality. Like I'll never be paleo because I'm never going to give up hummus or beans. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm never going to give, mm -hmm. yeah, I'm never going to give up carbs all the way. I'm never going to give up, you know, certain items. So for me, it's like, I just like to be able to eat healthy 80% of the time. I, I guess I would say I follow the Michael Pollan rule of thumb where it's eat um, real food, mostly plants, not too much. That's a very simple way to put it. And it doesn't seem overwhelming because I know even the, the health coaching clients that I work with, I find that everyone overcomplicates things and it's really not that complicated, but you also have to figure out what feels good to your body because what you eat in a day might not work for what I eat in a day. And that right. is totally okay. And, and it often also comes from family background and culture and mm -hmm. ethnics. I mean, there are people who enjoy certain foods based on their ethnic background or, or their culture, what they, they grew up eating. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean you have to like change everything, but plant food is so important and eating less processed food. So this has always been my philosophy. I tell people when you are talk, thinking about what you're eating, don't let's not focus on diets. I mean, here's the deal. There are 1 million diets. When you Google, if diets worked, we wouldn't need 1 million of them, right? Yes, yes. And I have never met anybody in my life who has stayed on one diet their whole life. 
you know, they do a diet and then they come off of it. Right. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's like pick an eating style, stop calling it a diet. What's your eating style? What's your lifestyle? And then I tell people worry about the two cues. This has always been my thing. So we go quantity and quality pretty much in America. We eat too much. So we know that like that cue, the quantity, that's an easy fix. Just eat a little less. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. you can't have French fries, eat a, a few less. It doesn't mean you can't have, you know, a dessert, but don't eat, you know, a, a Sunday for three, like some of these restaurants, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. give you, right? So it's all about just portion control. And portion control is pretty basic. We all get it. Just eat a little less. Mm -hmm. Quality is the other cue. And the quality of your food matters so much. And I, back to what I said earlier, you might not feel like you might not feel anything with junk food in your twenties or your thirties or maybe your forties. But when you start hitting that middle age, processed food affects your body uh, like so much. I talk mm. with all my friends and we're like, oh my God, when I eat something bad for me, you know, I like I feel like I got a food hangover the next day. I don't feel good. I feel bloated. I get gas. I my body I get headaches. Mm. You know, it's like wow, mm -hmm. your body really reacts to all that processed food. So if you can get rid of chemicals, preservatives, food coloring, food additives, you, you can't even imagine that you can feel so good mm -hmm. until you start feeling better. You know, I mean, I've had people say to me, I didn't even know I was feeling bad yes. <laughs> until I started feeling Isn't good. That amazing? And I realized, oh my gosh, I was yeah. feeling horrible. Yeah. So what about, um, nutrition around working out like pre and post nutrition? Can you talk about how important that is and what you would recommend a couple ideas for if you want to eat out or eat before a workout and then what you would recommend eating after a workout? Before a workout, it's important to have a little bit of fuel in your body. Um, you don't have to eat a whole meal, meal, but glucose is typically what we're burning. Converted sugars is typically what we're burning. And nobody should worry about whether they're burning fat or sugar when you're working out, just work out just work out. Uh -huh. Eventually, if you burn enough calories off and you're using your muscles, you're going to lose body fat. There was a little bit of like, was it the early 2000s where people were trying to figure out whether they were burning sugar or yes. fat and then they freak out and walk really slow so that they were burning fat. I'm like, listen, you're going to have to walk from here to Washington, DC to burn that freaking <laughs> fat. So I mean, my God, just work out. Yep. Um, but that being said, a lot of people when they're working on an empty stomach say, oh my God, halfway through my workout, I just feel so tired. I can't move. Mm -hmm. Well, it's like, well, you probably ran out of glycogen. What do you burn when you don't have any left? You start burning muscle. You don't burn fat. You start burning muscle because body fat only burns in the presence of glycogen. Glycogen mm -hmm. is the pilot light. So it's like dual jet engines. You're burning mm -hmm. some glycogen, you're burning some fat, and it's kind of going back and forth depending on what your heart rate is and what you're doing with your body. But mm -hmm. once you run out of the converted sugars, the fat also turns off and now you can go to muscle. So using the example of some uh, marathon runners that I was training when they were training for a marathon and they were gaining weight. And they're mm -hmm. like, okay, I am gaining weight while I'm maining, you know, training, what's going on and losing muscle. Well, they're running on an empty stomach. So they run out of the converted sugars, they can't burn fat at that point. So they're burning up their hard earned muscle. And then after they train, they think they deserve a ton of calories oh. because they were working out so hard. So instead of losing weight or maintaining weight, they're gaining weight. So that's just one situation. But the bottom line is for workout, you want to put a little bit of converted sugar into your body. So, or sugar into your body, whether it's in the form of, and so this gets a little complicated because for me, I'm working out at 5.30 in the morning. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to eat a meal. Mm -hmm. So for me, I'm going to like, I typically have a small banana. Why? Because it's a highly quick convertible sugar that will go into my system and give me a little bit of energy to get through that workout. Now let's say I wasn't going to work out till nine 30 though. 
maybe you want to have a more complex carbohydrate, like an oatmeal that's going to be a slow release and mm-hmm. give you that energy. You know, if I'm eating breakfast at seven and I'm going to work out at nine, you know, you, you can um, decide what you're going to eat based on when you're going to exercise and how much time you have before you exercise. Mm-hmm. But you don't need a lot. It's not like you're supposed to eat this huge meal before you right. exercise. You just want to top off your glucose tank. So I tell people a small piece of fruit. Um, I love oatmeal as a, a breakfast option when people are then going to eat uh, work out a little bit later. I talk to people who say, I can't, I can't eat anything in the morning. My stomach just won't tolerate it. Okay. Then have, you know, some sort of a coconut water that gives you a little mm-hmm. bit of energy or have an electrolyte tablet in your drink that gives you some potassium, magnesium, and sodium so that it just energizes your body a little bit. So that's the pre-workout. And I will say with pre-workouts, because sometimes I don't feel like eating early in the morning if I'm working out at 5.30 or 6, I have actually found that drinking like two to four ounces of beet juice, I love how that makes me feel. Because not only is that a good natural sugar that's good Mm -hmm. for you, but beet juice actually is, um, improves your nitric oxide. It actually like opens up your airways. Mm -hmm. It's like a natural um, way of opening up your airways and uh, helping you to um, be better cardio. So exactly. this is an amazing, good job, Nicole. Yeah, That's an amazing I, choice for a pre-workout. When I was back in high school, I would go work out with my dad at like 4.30 in the morning. And then we would usually take um, like a boot camp class at lifetime. And back then I would usually try to eat like a half banana before or something along those lines. But I found that as I've gotten a little older, I'm in my late twenties now, um, my appetite has just changed a little bit and I'm hungry later in the morning. So now I've been trying this beet juice or I'll even have a coffee. Like sometimes a coffee is all that I need to kind oh. of get my tank going. For those it feels it- good on my stomach. So pre-workout meals should be something that's maybe a light, easy carbohydrate that's easy to digest. I often choose the half banana, always a cup of coffee because cup of coffee is my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just gets me going. I also do a pre-workout, like I'll just do a, a what they call a noon tablet, N-U-U-N. They're just I've electrolyte tablets. Yeah. yeah. There's no added um, sugars or food colorings or anything weird to them. Hmm. And they just give you that extra um, electrolyte boost that I do notice is a makes me feel good. Beet juice is a great, great choice because of the natural nitric oxide. Mm-hmm. And it really helps to open up your airways. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's maybe the gold standard, the beet juice, you're doing it right. And that's pre-workout. There has been some discussion, like if you go way back to the Bill Phillips book, A Body for Life, and he always said, exercise in a fasted state. There is still that side of people who say that. But at the end of the day, if you really look at the science, they prove that you are burning through that glucose. And the, only, the, the one thing I just want to make clear is that in order to burn body fat, it must be done in the presence of burning glucose. They're dual engines. And if you run out of those converted sugars, you can no longer burn body fat. So mm-hmm. you start burning muscle. So have a little something in your, in your system, whether it is you know, a couple ounces of beet juice or whether it is a half a banana or a handful of grapes or whatever it is, that's pre- Post-workout is when you really want to refuel those muscles. They call it the window of opportunity. They say if you can refuel with a little bit of protein um, and carbs within 45 minutes, that's kind of the golden window of opportunity, but they say up to two hours after a workout to refuel Mm -hmm. so that your muscles can, you know, because refueling with protein does not make muscle, it repairs and feeds muscle. Let's be clear with that. You mm-hmm. can't eat protein and build muscle. Yes, <laughs> you amen. have to do the work. Mm-hmm. And then the protein 
repairs and refuels. So let's just say you finish a workout and you're going to eat dinner or you're going to eat breakfast. Cause for me, typically I finish my workout, I'm going to eat breakfast mm-hmm. and I don't do any special supplementation because I'm going to get my breakfast within the hour. And so I'm within that window of opportunity up to two hours. So 45 minutes would be great. Up to two hours is your win- whole window of opportunity. Um, but let's just say you're going back to work or you're in the middle of the afternoon and you aren't going to have a meal. Then you should make sure that you supplement with something, whether it's a protein shake or a protein water or a handful of nuts and a, bit, uh, and a piece of fruit or cottage mm-hmm. cheese and a, uh, you know, some berries or whatever it might be that you like. There's no magic in picking the perfect snack. It's getting some protein, which is going to give you the amino acids for your muscles, some healthy carbs to refuel that glucose tank, and some healthy fat, if you add that in, will keep you satiated. So that's kind Mm -hmm. of the idea. So have you heard of, um, I've heard a few people who have digestive issues, IBS in particular, who have done some research on eating a little later after their workout, like waiting an hour after you get home. And it allows your digestive system to kind of get out of that fight or flight phase that you're in while you're working out. So I don't know if you've read any research on that because I've been kind of hearing that circulating. I have heard that also. And if you do have IBS, which is, you know, a really bothersome thing, Mm -hmm. then that's a good idea. Because like I said, that window of opportunity is really up to two hours. There's nothing that says you have to get protein in your body in two seconds. You know, I Mm -hmm. see people who finish their workout and they're like madly scrambling to (laughs) drink their drink. (laughs) And I'm like, that's okay. I mean, that's fine. They kind of say the, you know, the best opportunity would be within 45 minutes. That's always been the golden window of opportunity, but it is up to two hours after. So again, just use your best judgment, how Mm -hmm. your body works because we're all different. Mm -hmm. And after a workout, you said protein, carbohydrates, and should you have some fat with that or just yeah, protein and the, carbs? The healthy fats are going to satiate you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, healthy fats keep you longer, fuller longer. Mm-hmm. So those who never eat any fat are always like hankering for something to eat because they never feel satisfied. Healthy yep. fats are good for our whole body and all of our bodily processes. But they usually say, you know, it's definitely the protein and carbs in combination after the workout and healthy okay. carbs, you know, exactly not a bag of Doritos, right? fruit. Um, You know, if you're a dairy eater, maybe you would eat cottage cheese or a hard boiled Mm -hmm. egg or whatever. Exactly. So as far as the breakdown of macros, because I get questions about macros all the time, and I know you've talked about this before, is there a certain macro breakdown that you recommend people following or is there something that people should know about counting their macros? Is it, is it person by person basis? Is it like what you prefer? What's your viewpoint on that? Well, I talk to so many people who like get overwhelmed with macros. And I go, oh my God, what is this? I can't do it. I'm, well, okay, then don't. You, know, you don't have mm-hmm. to get overwhelmed. But to me, it's a really interesting way of looking at your nutritious profile, like what you're eating and helping you decide whether you are having a balanced diet. There is no one perfect macro split there have been different diets based on macro split. Like the zone diet was the 40, 30, 30 back in the day. Me personally, I eat at least 50% carbohydrates per day. And I do about 25% protein, 25% fat. That's kind of my personal macro breakdown because I eat a ton of fruits and vegetables and fruits and vegetables are carbs. Mm-hmm. So we have to remember that they, they fall into the carb, carb category. So it really depends on your lifestyle 
and what you and what you like to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll talk to people and say, well, I don't really like fruit. Okay, well then don't eat fruit. I don't know how you don't like fruit, but right. don't eat it then. <laughs> um, so you have to decide what works best for you. It's good to split it out throughout the day and get a good mix of, of you know, your macronutrients throughout the day. So you're getting some protein, carbs, and fat in the morning and the afternoon and in the evening. Mm-hmm. That really to me is, what's most important, but take a look at your typical eating habits. I do think for some people, it gets really interesting because if you could say like, okay, I'm going to eat 2000 calories a day and 50% of those calories are going to come from carbs. Then you can say a thousand of my calories are going to come from carbs. And then you can say, okay, well, each gram of every four grams of carbs is a calorie, right? So I can eat, what is it? 250 carbs that day. Mm -hmm. I do the math right Mm -hmm. there. Yep. Then that's kind of an interesting way of thinking like, oh, I've got 250 carbs to choose from, you know. Which is a really good amount. Like I I think people are so fearful of eating carbohydrates, but like 250 grams of carbs, that's a very generous amount. So right. And you know, who's going to eat 18 cups of broccoli? Nobody. Exactly. Exactly. Don't restrict yourself when it comes to fruits and vegetables. I got to tell you. So I, Weight Watchers is the one diet that I've always said I've at least thought had some common sense involved with it. And I always loved Weight Watchers, except for the fact that they gave a point value to fruits and vegetables. Cause I thought mm. that is ridiculous. All we're trying to do is help people eat more plant-based foods mm-hmm. and nobody, nobody sits down and eats an entire two pound bag of baby carrots. You just don't do that. So it's like, why are we restricting people? Well, yes. about two years ago or so, Weight Watchers came out and said, guess what? no points for fruits or vegetables, knock yourself out and eat as much broccoli as you want. Because, you know, I don't know anyone who says to me, you know, Chris, I think I really gained a lot of weight last fall because I was eating so many carrots and apples, you know, really like (laughs) that just sounds ridiculous, right? right? It just doesn't happen. So to me, I mean, I love, I love the concept of macros, but at the same time, I'm like, people eat your fruits and vegetables and don't worry how much. Now, if your fruits and vegetables are fried in a vat of oil, then there's a problem with that. Mm -hmm. But if you're eating fairly unadulterated vegetables and fruits, you're going to knock yourself out, eat what you want. And I think Um, too, like your body will send you signals of what it's craving. I've even noticed when I start to crave more sugar, it's because I haven't been eating enough fruit. And then I start adding a little more fruit to my diet and magically those sugar cravings go away because- you're, you're meant to eat all different types of flavor profiles and not just right. cut all things sweet or all things salty out of your diet. And I think when people do extremes and it's, again, everybody has to look at their own situation, but when people go extreme, like I'm never going to eat sugar again in my life. Then when they do just, when they do go off the bandwagon, they like really fall off the wagon. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like have a little moderation in it. And by the way, and I know, you know this, Nicole, but for everybody listening about fruit, do not count sugars from fruits in your daily sugars. Yes, yes. You know, you're looking at eating about 24 grams of added sugar a day. And that is at the most, that's like the max that is added sugars. So the natural sugar that occurs in fruits is combined with fiber. And when natural sugar is combined with fiber, it is used differently in your body and it doesn't spike your insulin in the same way. So I tell people like, again, let's go back to bananas. Who do you know that claims their weight gain was from bananas? Mm-hmm. I've never heard anyone say that, even though bananas always get, you know, a bad rap in the media. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but like, don't worry about your natural sugars. No. Worry about your added sugars. I always cringe when I hear people say, you know, I try to limit my fruit to a quarter cup a day. Oh, like a, a, quarter a quarter cup, cup a day because they're so worried about spiking their blood sugar. 
or, right. you know, any right. type of sugar. I had someone ask me recently um, if bananas were one of the most unhealthy foods. They had read that somewhere. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. Bananas are not unhealthy. It's the sugar content that has gotten such a bad reputation. And now people are fearful of eating mother nature's fruits and vegetables because of the sugar. Right. And like right. you said, the, the weight gain that's coming from processed foods. That's coming from overeating. That's not coming from eating too many fruits and vegetables. So right, right. don't be fearful of that. <laughs> okay. So just to wrap it up, I'm going to ask you just kind of a fun question because I know you're a coffee lover like I am. When you grab a coffee or make a coffee at home, what is your go-to coffee order? Oh man, I am serious about my coffee and I like black coffee in the morning. Hmm. I don't like anything in my coffee. Um, you know, you and I both love that Four Sigmatic coffee that has uh, mushrooms in it. Mm -hmm. So I do buy the Four Sigmatic because it has the extra adaptogens in it. But when I go to the coffee store, it's a straight up Americano, you know, espresso and hot water in the morning. But in the afternoon, I am all about the um, double tall almond milk latte. Oh, that is, (laughs) that is my order. I am a big latte person. So funny. I just, I love a latte in the afternoon, but in the morning, uh uh-uh, black coffee. You're, that's just like a ready to go type of coffee drink. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I love it. Well, this was so fun to talk to you. I appreciate you making the time. Like you, I could talk about fitness all day long. And I just always really, my goal is always to let people know, like, it just isn't, it doesn't have to be that hard. Like don't overcomplicate it. Move your body, eat a little healthier, have some fun because that's part of mental health too. And be who you are. Yeah. And I do think that one thing we all start to realize is beauty comes from within, right? So it you don't have to be the perfect weight. Be the weight that works for you. Mm-hmm. Be the per you know, happiness radiates and emanates from being comfortable in your own skin. Thank you so much for listening to the Health is Wealth podcast. I'm so grateful for each and every one of you. If you love the show, share it with a friend you think would love it as well. Also, please leave us a review if you feel called to do so by going to iTunes and sharing your honest thoughts and what you would like to hear more of on the podcast. Until next time, remember, your health is your greatest wealth.